There have been dozens of notable businesses to operate on Peoria's Main Street over the years, but perhaps none as distinctive or dedicated as the costume trunk. Steve Spain has operated the store for 41 years through good times and bad, suffering through two years of the pandemic when many of his regular customers, such as theater groups, schools and institutions that routinely need costumes for shows, were shut down. On this episode of Postmark Peoria, WCBU correspondent Steve Tarter sits down with Spain to talk about changes over the past four decades. Running Central was there. Uh, they were the, the big anchor of the block for many years. Did you mean to get into um, costume? Was that something you had always planned, doing costumes, having your own costume store? No, I never planned anything in my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that store was kind of an outgrowth of two earlier businesses. My friend and uh, Kevin Carter and I opened a small little magic shop on the second floor of the Rialto Theater building. And we were there for a couple of years. And then, of course, the Rialto came down. So uh, we thought it was a good idea to move. And so we moved down to, down to the, uh, the Varsity Theater building. They had two little shops on each side of the uh, lobby area there. And so we were there for a couple of years. And a uh, friend of ours had a shop in Rockford, a magic shop. And he said, uh, guys, Halloween is coming around. We've done pretty good with Halloween merchandise. You might try that. Um, not costumes so much, but masks and makeup and a, a few wigs and things like that. So uh, we thought, well, we'll just try it and, and see how it worked. And, and that took off more than the magic and the jokes and the novelties. After a while, my, uh, my friend, uh, he was more involved in his family's construction business, River City Construction. So he moved on. And so I decided that uh, I would uh, uh, do costumes and kind of expand that business. And we went to a few costume conventions and, and, and thought it might work in Peoria. This is at a time when uh, adult Halloween parties were just kind of having a resurgence. And so we, we caught the upward wave. And uh, so we started in 81. And that's that's been riding that wave. 41 years. Yeah, exactly. So, Steve, I, and I'm sure I've asked you this in the past. Top costumes of all time? I mean, is, are they the ones that we would assume? or There's always seasonal, you know, the, the Santa Claus, the uh, leprechauns, uh, the Bunny. Easter bunnies, things yeah. like that. Uh, as far as Halloween's concerned and, and theater costumes all over the place, but 20s and 30s, gangsters and flappers and dance hall girls and, and riverboat gamblers and, and, you know, kind of the standards. Those are still remain strong. That's why they call them classics, I guess. Sure. Do you have competition? The biggest competition now is the internet. That's the competition that everybody oh, sure. faces. Right. Um, but there are so many places that over the years, Steve, and I don't know whether I'm not exactly happy about this, even though it's less competition, but the lady in Joliet uh, closed a few years ago. The two shops in the Quad Cities are both closed. Uh, Andy Dallas in Champaign closed up. Um, the two really fairly big stores in Indianapolis, both of those are gone. So uh, I am getting to be one of the last of the Mohicans here, even in, in all of the state. We will we'll assume you're, you're doing enough to keep the doors open, but just I think <laughs> right. for, the, for the 
benefit of the community, it's great that you're just, you know, keeping it on because uh, it's, it's just such an attractive uh, store and it's great seeing you when you're in there. Well, Steve, the other thing we wanted to, you know, have you talk a little bit about is your collection, which is not just, you know, under your eyes, but has been under the public's eyes. Down at the museum, we're talking about a Disney art that was at the Peoria Riverfront Museum. For somebody who doesn't know, what is the art we're talking about here? I think most people, when they hear Disney art, they think of cells. That's what uh, uh, most people are familiar with because those are the finished character. They're hand-painted on cell, is short for celluloid, celluloid sheet that goes over the watercolor backgrounds, which is the background. And then uh, those are Uh, put under the camera and make one frame of the film, uh, 24 frames a second in the old uh, analog days. Uh, But there's also uh, the animators work with paper and pencil first, and then their drawings are transferred to the cells. And then there's a lot of other different types of, of art. There's storyboards, which, you know, sketch out the story. There's concept art, which kind of establishes the mood and, and color palette of, uh, of the films uh, layout drawings, which are kind of the blue, print for the background artist and and then the background paintings which are uh, and you have a little bit of all of that yeah it's all part of the process so we've got some of everything and so how did you get into that um it was one of those things that didn't happen at once i was as a kid you know i like disney i remember i'm old enough to remember watching walt disney himself on tv but i think when i was a senior at illinois state I was lucky enough to get a job as a movie projectionist and seemed like I would do go to different theaters because I filled in for vacations and days off and so on. It seems like I would always be where a Disney film was every few weeks. And, uh, uh, I, and I watched these over and over. And at first I thought it was just kid stuff. And then I started to pay attention. I thought, gee, this is really beautiful work. This is much different than uh, Saturday morning television. And then I was at the Peoria Public Library and someone had uh, left out a book on one of the reading tables. It was a big, giant coffee table. And the name of the book was Treasures of Disney Animation Art by John Canemaker. And I opened it up and I saw all the, the different types of art that was involved. I learned a little more about the process and, uh, you know, I checked the book out and renewed it and and in the back of the book that I discovered a few weeks later, uh, there was a, a little tiny section that said sources for original Disney art. And I thought, huh, how, how could that be? I just assumed that Disney would have all of the Disney yeah. art. You know, it wouldn't if, be anything if, available. Yeah. If, yeah. If it had survived at all. And uh, but I found out that that was really not the case. In fact, Disney probably threw away or, or gave away more art than they kept. And uh, so I contacted the two people there that had been, they're very small operations. I mean, they worked out of their home. They were part-time collectors, part-time dealers. Uh, this is long before the internet and everything, but sure. I, uh, I became friends with both of them and uh, uh, flew out to Philadelphia to see Stu Resports collection and, and talked with Terry Kleiman, the other guy and who's still around. Stu's passed away, but, uh, uh, and it just kind of uh, grew from there. I, I just thought, at one time, I thought if I could just own one piece of original Disney art, that would be a great thing. And I would be happy, you know, because and then I thought, gee, if I could just have maybe one piece of Disney art 
with an original back then it was if I could just have one concept that, you know, it, it just one leads to another. Postmark Peoria is a co-production of WCBU and Mike Sable. If you want even more stories about Peoria history, subscribe to the Postmark Peoria podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google or NPR One.